Hey, it's Jason Flatland here. You're listening to The Jason Flatland Show, where I'll be sharing everything from sales and webinar tips to improving productivity and reaching your infinite potential. Some of the ways I'm using AI right now is if I get stuck on writer's block, like I'm writing content and I just need an example of something. It doesn't have to be good. And I can't think of one. Give me an example. Boom. Okay. Flip it in, put it over here. So I'm using Notion. They just finally released it today. Notion is a great app. Mm -hmm. And now there's integration with AI and Notion where I can, in the same app that I do all my work, AI's already baked into it. I'm seeing improvements in my own workflow and I'm not trying to get too geeky about it. So this is a great example where in, in line of where I normally work, I can now use AI as opposed to context switching to go over here and then go back over here because the cost of that is significant to your creativity. And so I'm able to now write slightly more efficiently. I'm able now to write slightly better. I'm looking forward to writing more. It's <laughs> gonna be scary. And so like with emails too, like this slightly improving emails not writing the whole email that's what everybody wants to do right yeah yeah just making the email slightly better by adding some flavor some some salt and pepper with it's, ai the output that chat gpt gives you is a c minus at best in most fields unless it's regular boring content and then who wants to create that anyway so it's like so then what happens then you you work through processes to feed it back into the ai system to get it to a b plus or an a minus and that's great but then you start calculating the time and effort it takes you to feed that back in. And then you start saying, well, hold on a second. We could have wrote it faster than feeding it back in. So I'm making these quality of life improvements this morning, literally using AI. I like to script out my YouTube videos kind of before I shoot them. I have the expertise and the knowledge. What I what I lack sometimes is the structure and the thinking. So I was working on a video today. Success is more caught than taught. That was the premise of the video. Good hook. Yeah, it's a good hook. And I'm like, how do I teach it? I have theories on how I could teach it. But I asked Chet GPT, I'm like, what does that mean? And then it gives me some garbage. And out of the garbage, I pick up two or three keywords. I'm like, ooh, OK, here's some ideas. I got and then you. I said, give me some examples of where success is more caught than taught. And it gives me a, a bunch of garbage again. It's not very good. And like this content is boring if I'm out there speaking on it. But here's an idea. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. The breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs. And now I'm putting the content structure together and I'm creating the outline. Noise to signal ratio. Have you ever heard of this concept? No. So I was an audio engineer once upon a time. I've been a lot of things in my life, <laughs> I was going right? to say, but okay. So, so like if you're recording, like we're recording it right now. Shout out to Alan, right? Yeah, yeah. If he has feedback in the system, pink noise or this loudness, it will drown out whatever we say. And he can't separate the two. In post-production, he couldn't remove this. If there was some static feedback and it was loud enough, you and I could say the greatest thing in mankind that's ever been set. And nobody could hear it because the noise would drown out the signal. What's important and what's just the noise. Got so it. the trick in any market, including and especially AI, is separating the noise from the signal. So if there's 100 pieces of content that's produced, what's the one piece or what's the 1% in those 100 pieces that make the difference? So the person that's get, that gets extremely good at finding the signal within the noise of the AI is going to be a billionaire. And so the Pareto rule plays a large part of that. It's where you learn how to take a large amount of content that's being 
being outputted and sort through it and make decisions on what really matters and what's important. So even my formula I taught you earlier, right? It was like, what are the four most important components of blank? That's the 80-20 rule. If there's 100 pieces of information, there's only a few pieces of information out of those 100 that are going to get you a, a majority of the result. Seven pieces of information will give you 70% of the outcome. If I get the AI to spit me out 100,000 words, what are those 700 words out of those 100,000 or whatever the math is yeah. that make the difference? What are those 7,000 words? And that's what I'm learning right now. And that's what I'm tapping into right now myself to get the most out of AI. But I'm also okay with this, Casey. When the breakthrough happens, and there will be a breakthrough. Always is. Everything can change overnight. So I'm not married to anything. I don't expect any real real revolution of AI to come out of any existing big company right now. When you take an existing player in any market and you ask them to create an innovative solution, it almost never happens, right? Well, yeah. It required a Tesla. It required a Spotify to disrupt the music industry. It required an Uber to disrupt the taxi industry. The taxi industry didn't say, hey, we are, we're in the strongest position to adapt, so let's adapt. So Google never could conquer social media. They never could. The only way they could even be competitive was to acquire YouTube. So they can acquire assets, but they don't innovate that. Amazon was smart enough that when they acquired certain things like a Twitch or when Zappos back in the day, they acquired it and they left it alone. That's about the smartest thing a big company like that can do. And so I don't believe we're going to see the breakthrough happen in a Google or an Amazon or a Facebook or wherever. But Microsoft's smart in that regard. I don't think we're going to see it in Microsoft. In I, the weeds, right? I, I think those guys are smart. If I was in their position, I would be I would be buying like they're buying too because their capital is worth less than acquiring the assets. Can't yeah. lose in this situation, yeah. but I don't believe they're going to be the killer app of the future. I think the killer app of the future is by a company that doesn't exist yet. It's like two guys in their garage, yeah. you know, Steve Jobs Wozniak style. Now, I want to touch on one more thing though. This is why I'm not so bullish on AI as, as my contemporaries are. I think what ChatGPT did that is equally as amazing, but is not talked about at all, is how they rolled this thing out. The marketing was brilliant and good marketing creates massive hype. This is one thing that a Microsoft or a Google would never figure out. Never at all. They would never think. The fastest growing company to 100 million users ever. Insane, right? So yeah. they did two things incredibly brilliant here. Is the first thing is they didn't charge for it. They gave it for free. And it's crazy because I love reading Reddit. The revolt of people when they heard that GPT was going to start charging and how preposterous it, it was, right? They did the smartest thing possible was they built it up and then they released it. Because, you know, ChatGTP, before that open AI, you could hook into those APIs forever. And there were people paying to, to use those and building big platforms like Jasper, for example, is a huge platform. I think it's valued at over a billion dollars last I heard. And I know some guys on the inside in that company there, and they're, they're all hooking in to the plumbing that is open AI. So that's the first thing they did. But the second thing they did is, is they made the interface so clean. They did a Google. So all you youngins, Grandpa Flatland's going to tell you a tell here, right? <laughs> Once upon a time, if you wanted to search the internet, you went to Yahoo and there wasn't a search. It was a directory. Yeah. And you click through it. It was like an online yellow pages. And before I don't know what a yellow pages is. Yeah, I know. Even even worse. <laughs> right. But it's just like, OK, A through Z. There are these categories. I click on one. But at the time, it was the best thing you could do. 
Well, it was better than flicking through the actual yellow pages, right? Yes, it was. Barely, right? I mean, on a 14 4K modem, you, you kind of, it was slower than flicking through the yellow pages, but there was more information out there. And there was several competing search engines before Google, and all of them were hyper cluttered on their interfaces. They were overwhelming. And then Google came out, and this was extremely controversial at the time. They had nothing on their homepage. It was nothing. It was mostly white spaces, right? So what ChatGTP did is they humanized the app, first of all. So they made it so cool that anybody and everybody could feel good touching it. Yep. And then secondly, they made it so, so, so simple that even a golden retriever could use it. It was that powerful. So first adopter advantage is huge. They went from nothing overnight to owning the market instantaneously. So let's not forget, part of the reason you're bought up in the mania of AI is because you had one of the greatest modern marketing campaigns rolled out to introduce the AI. Hey, Jason Flyland here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful at all, please leave me a review. And thanks again and stay tuned for future episodes.